listener production. Mixed performances from US stocks despite a better reading on US inflation. And Aussie shares expected to end the week lower ahead of earnings from REA Group. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Friday the 11th of August. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, I don't know about you, but I was left a little bit disappointed by the US response to those inflation figures. The uh, S&P 500 ended flat. The Dow Jones just in positive territory, up 0.2 of a percent. The Nasdaq up 0.1 of a percent. Interest rate markets, interestingly, <laughs> uh, up by a decent margin where 10-year government bonds were concerned. A better inflation reading wouldn't normally coerce bond yields up by nine basis points to 4.1%, but that's what happened. And two-year government bonds up by three basis points to 483 U.S. share markets gave up early gains. We saw the S&P 500 lift by up to 1.3% and ended mostly flat. As initial optimism over the milder than feared U.S. consumer prices data gave way to concerns that monetary policy will remain tight to prevent a flare-up in inflation. So we've seen a little bit of a recalibration as far as interest rate pricing is concerned. But broadly, what we're seeing is more moderate inflation together with the cooling labour market. We saw jobless claims lift last week. Together, we saw expectations lift that the US Central Bank will be able to engineer a soft landing for the US economy after a year of hand-wringing about a possible recession. Indeed. So... To your point, the market's up by over a percent at their best levels. And then Mary Daly, the head of the San Francisco Federal Reserve, who's quite an influential figure in that universe, said that it's not time to celebrate, that there's more work to be done. I think the thinking now turns around the likelihood of interest rates remaining higher for longer and any discussion around the possibility of rate cuts as being kiboshed. Well, we heard from former chief economist at Goldman Sachs, Jim O'Neill, overnight as well. And he's quite an influential figure in the economics world. And he said that interest rates should stay around 5% for longer, even as inflation falls. So he really wants to see these central banks get inflation completely under control before they look to cut interest rates. And markets on the back of those comments, amongst others, therefore recalibrated their view on those cuts potentially for next year. But at the same time, that's not a novel stream of thought by any measure. So trying to get under the bonnet of why you've seen bond yields you know, push higher towards their recent highs, I might add, in the face of a better than expected core reading, not by much, it was symbolic more than anything else, but to see the core reading come in uh, below what the market was looking for, that came in at 4.7, as forecast yesterday, Ryan. I think we said that if it was 4.7, that would be a good outcome. Down from 4.8, then you see these 10-year bonds up by nine basis points. Something smells fishy. It doesn't quite work, the, the actual <laughs> movements in these markets, but there were a couple of things. So you mentioned Mary Daly. So she told Yahoo Finance, the central bank in the United States still has more work to do, and then- Of course, we had a very weak 30-year bond auction. So the US Treasury sold 23 billion of 30-year notes at a yield of 4.189%. And on the back of that, uh, we did see those bond yields lift. But at the same time, big focus at the moment really on those consumer prices. As you mentioned, we have seen a moderation in inflation. If you look at the headline number, 
It was up 0.2% in the month of July, bang in line with expectations, but the annual growth rate lifted from 3 to 3.2%, below expectations for a lift of 3.3%. And you mentioned as well the core number, up 0.2% as well. The annualised number was the lowest since October 2021. And also what we did see overnight was inflation continued to come well off its 40-year highs of 9.1% in the middle of last year. But really, at the same time, there was a big contribution from rent and shelter yet again. So that was the key contributor to the overall number. Now we start to get into the interesting stuff when it comes to inflation because we've had a year of base effects and it becomes more challenging from here on in. We've talked about this ad nauseum, so let's not try and cure insomnia again. But the next couple of quarters will be quite significant. And it's just a question, maybe these bond markets are, well, you know, the bond markets are smart guys. They read through this sort of stuff and you'd be thinking that they'd be wondering, well, this is as good as it gets. Where's the low hanging fruit from here on in? Not much of it around. We've picked it all. The unfortunate thing though with those core numbers, as I said, is that some of the key components remain quite sticky. So if you look at the numbers, shelter costs rose 0.4%. We're up 7.7% from a year ago, which is very elevated. Rents rose 0.4%. We're seeing this situation around the world where rental costs are lifting, obviously related to limited supply of housing and strong demand at the same time. Bureau of Labor Statistics in the US said more than 90% of the increase in inflation in the month of July came from the rental category, and that accounts for one-third of the CPI weighting. So what that suggests is unless we get the rental market in the US under control or improving, then that inflation rate will remain fairly sticky. Food prices climbed 0.2% on the month. Uh, Energy increased 0.1%, which was interesting because we did see a surge in crude Mm. oil prices and gasoline prices, but perhaps that'll be reflected in the month of August. And of course, uh, at the same time, uh, we did see some declining costs such as motor vehicles and furniture. So a bit of a mixed report, certainly improving, but to get to 2%, we've got some work to do, as Mary Daly quite aptly put it. <laughs> you know, it's always worth giving it a day or two to see how the trend pans out after an important figure like that. But certainly we're alert uh, in relation to that push higher for bond deals. But just quickly, in terms of corporate news, uh, Ralph Lauren, I haven't seen you in much of that product. Ryan. It just happens that I'm wearing a jumper today that has Ralph Lauren on it. No, you've got Tommy Hilfiger on over there. I do too. Confused over my luxury items. I don't wear many, Tom. (laughs) It's probably more in your wheelhouse Um, household than mine. Why do you say that? I'm an unbranded type of kid. But um, (laughs) anyway, um, bottom line is Ralph Lauren shares down by the most part of 5% last night. So their uh, earnings per share came in at $2.34. That was better than the $2.13 that the market was looking for. But uh, as is often the case, the market was spooked a little bit by the outlook. So uh, they said that the revenues in the current quarter will be weaker than expected after a sharp fall in demand in North America, which is where their bread is buttered. They expect revenue in the quarter to be up only slightly. So analysts were looking for something a little more meatier than that. The European business did quite well. So these anecdotes line up with other luxury goods players like LVMH, Caring, Canada Goose. You know, they've they've all spoken about the moderating pace of consumer demand in North America. Uh, Of course, it's a 
different picture where Asia in particular is concerned, but early indications. We also saw some corporate action in the United States around this sector, Tom. Cap price shares surged 56% after large arrival Tapestry said it would buy the Michael Kors parent in an $8.5 billion US dollar deal. The Tapestry company is behind brands such as Coach and Kate Spade. You'd be familiar with those. Clearly, we, we have seen some action in that sector overnight. The other thing to note as well is that Tesla led gains in mega cap stocks. It was up 1% and shares of Walt Disney rose by over 4% after bidding Wall Street estimates for quarterly adjusted profit per share as well. So overall, a bit of a mixed session. We did see fairly flat outcomes. And in Europe, we did see really those personal and household goods topping sectoral gains up by 2.7%. That's a good segue, right, to what happened in Europe. So the UK market up 0.4%, the French market up one5 the German market up 0.9%. German bonds, uh, as their bonds are referred to, uh, two years up by two basis points to 2.94%, 10 years up three basis points to 252 uh, a little more behaved compared to their US peers, I suppose, uh, at least where the long end was concerned. So what caught my eye where Europe was concerned on the corporate front, we had Munich Re reporting its numbers. So they disappointed, I suppose, in terms of their NPAT. Uh, that was down 27%. And they spoke about the fact that it was affected by the losses on their security holdings. So what they've actually elected to do, they sold off uh, parts of their bond portfolio which were underperforming in the hope that they'll use those funds to reinvest at higher levels. So that's what uh, insurers tend to do. Where the proceeds that they generate from you buying your premium, they will invest that in securities, generally in the bond market because it's more conservative. And that's how they are influenced by the shift in bond yields from time to time. So it was interesting that they took that deliberate strategy in relation to those bond holdings. But uh, the CEO said that he expected reinsurance costs to remain elevated for the next couple of years. He doesn't expect a turnaround in that space until 2025. So that means that you know what we as consumers pay for our uh, insurance is going to remain elevated for some time to come. That has implications for inflation, of course. It speaks to that stickiness around uh, services that we uh, talk about a, a lot. And Ryan, what I found interesting is that the last half of the year has been the worst for natural catastrophes since 2011. So I went back to 2011, had a look at what went on there. You had the Brisbane floods, you had the earthquake in Japan that took out the power Fukushima. station, the Fukushima power station. So if you cast your mind back over the last six months, does it stand out to be that bad? You know. Well, we've seen flooding in China. We've yeah. now had bushfires in Maui and all sorts of places. So certainly climate change is going to have a big impact on insurance premiums. We saw Germany's Allianz climb 4.9% overnight after reporting better than expected quarterly profits. So certainly an insurance space is an interesting one to look out for at the moment. Now, I should we, just add uh, Munich Re was up 2.25% after all of that. Yes, the insurers were amongst the strongest performers in Europe overnight. If we turn our attention to the commodity space, we saw the US oil NYMEX price down by 1.9% to 82.82 US dollars a barrel. Some concerns around Chinese demand resurfaced there, and Gulf futures were down 0.1% to 1948.90 US dollars an ounce. 
and iron ore futures continue to slide down 0.1% to 104.60 US dollars a tonne. What we're seeing there are concerns around China's property sector. Again, investors are concerned that developer country garden holdings could default on its debt. So look out for that one. That could have an impact on today's trading session. Now, as far as today is concerned in Australia, Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe and heir apparent Deputy Governor Michelle Bullock, both appearing before the House of Representatives Standing Committee on Economics in Canberra, so they'll be up for a bit of a grilling on oh, interest rates no, and they'll, they'll be inflation. Getting it deluxe from the politicians. They will, and we have Baby Bunting, Charter Hall Social Infrastructure, REIT, Kelly Partners, Newcrest Mining, News Corp, Nick Scarley and REA Group, all releasing earnings, shares of Janice Henderson and SSR Mining, both trade ex-dividend. Just quickly on REA Group, it's a blue chip, of course, and its shares will be in focus today. The real estate classified business share price is up about 40% so far this year, Tom, with investors increasingly pricing in a recovery in Australian property listing volumes. We have seen home prices, particularly in, in Sydney, up quite sharply in the last few months. With momentum improving in Sydney and Melbourne, Jeffries analysts reckon the REA can boost listing volumes by 3% in the first half financial year next year and 8% thereafter. But while the outlook looks brighter, REA Group's fiscal 2023 diluted earnings per share could fall by up to 12% to $2.70 due to a 20% decline in home listings over the year into June 2023. And of course, that reflected weaker seller confidence after capital city property values fell 10% Picked a trough due to the RBA's aggressive interest rate hikes. So, core net income estimated to be 366 million with revenue of 1.2 billion and core EBITDA estimates of 633 million. So, that one will be in focus today, Tom. Indeed. So, just quickly uh, wrapping up, the SPY futures are pointing to a loss of around a third of a percent as far as the ASX 200 is concerned. Worth keeping an eye on the energy space because after a decent run up in recent days, we have seen oil. Uh, turn tail and it's down by uh, the most part of 2%, down by almost 1.9% as we record this. So that's back to around $82.86 a barrel. I was looking at the technicals on this, Ryan. That looked great, to be honest. And that Chinese news that we have seen in the last couple of days, which oil seemed to be immune to, that might be seeping into the thinking as far as oil traders are concerned. So worth keeping an eye on oil prices in the next couple of days. Gold prices just down slightly to US dollars per ounce. That's the spot price, of course. And we've got the Aussie dollar trading at 65.2 US cents. It has eased back from highs of 66.10 US cents during the overnight session. Indeed. And that brings to an end our weekly conversation, Ryan. It's been an interesting one. It has. I'm going to miss you, Tom. But of course, <laughs> everyone's looking forward to 5 p.m. tomorrow afternoon, aren't they? Go they are the indeed. As we can do this, we can beat the French. Go the Tillies. Teach the frogs a lesson tomorrow. This podcast is prepared, approved, and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting, and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.